Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Dear Father God, thank you for seeing us here safely this morning. Thank you for bringing us together to hear your message, what you want us to hear. God, we pray that you open our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to see and hear what you want us to hear through Holy Ghost and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Okay, please be seated. Good morning. That was a great message last week by Julia. Yeah? And uh, the, the last verse I read, which was from Julia's message, was God had, has given each of you a gift of his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So if God is speaking to you and you have a spiritual gift, use it. And uh, what a powerful household that must be, Christopher and Julia together. The Holy Spirit must be strong in that household, huh? So this morning, I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you. So if you have your Bible app, that would probably help you. You know, if you um, find the Life uh, Fellowship Ministries International website, the scriptures in there so you can follow along. Uh, God put it in my heart to talk about something. It's an age-old question. It's a question that's um, been in the hearts and minds of, of believers and non-believers. It's all over the internet. And it's in, uh, been written, and books have been written about this. And, and, but God put it in my heart to talk today about the subject of, of why we suffer. Why do we suffer? Why do we have to go through suffering? You know, think about it. We all go through or have gone through some level of suffering in our lives. You know, some of us have suffered in our relationships, family, or friends. Some of us have emotional, mental challenges. You know, many of us, even here today in our church family, have physical challenges, mental, I mean, uh, medical challenges, and medical ailments and disease. And so the question is, why do we go through this? You know, we have a loving God. And we have an all-powerful God, right? And if God wanted to, he could eliminate all suffering. So why does he allow us to suffer? Why does he allow suffering in the world? And that's what I want to speak to the best as I can on that issue. Because I think it's, a, it's an issue that a lot of us think about, especially when we're going through our challenges in our life. So let's get to this. You know, Pastor Mark was talking about Ordinary Heroes in the Bible, fantastic series. Um, and you know, the heroes in our Bible, they suffered too. Just look at Job. We all know about Job. Think about Joseph. He was thrown into a pit of snakes and scorpions and then sold into slavery by his brothers and thrown in prison when he was in Egypt. Can you think about all the challenges he went through? Daniel, he was maligned, 
and accosted and thrown into a pit of lions. He made it through. Apostle Paul, you know, wrote half of the New Testament. Uh, he endured shipwrecks, whippings, near death, and he had this, something he called a thorn of flesh that bothered him all his life that he prayed to God to take away, but God wouldn't take it away. And so he suffered, whatever it was. So the question is, why do we suffer? But I want you to know that today's core scripture, right, and it's a message of hope, and I'm going to say this at the beginning and the end of my message this morning, and that's Romans 8, 18. And it says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal. So I want you to remember that. So what did Jesus say about suffering? In John 17, Jesus was talking to his disciples before his crucifixion. And he told them, told them that he was going to talk to them without parables this time because he felt that they could understand what he was about to tell them. And one of the things he told them was that they would have many trials and sorrows. And, you know, think about it. The disciples are the closest people in Jesus' life. And he's telling the closest people in his life that they're going to have trials and sorrows. John 16, 33 says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Verse 33, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Note here that Jesus didn't tell his disciples that they would have it easy. These are people that were close to Jesus on this earth, and you'd think he'd cut them some slack, right? But no, he said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You know, Pastor Mark talked about Timothy in his Ordinary Hero series. And um, Paul's second letter to Timothy was written in about 64 to 67 A.D., and Timothy died around 97 A.D., about 30 years after Paul wrote his letter to Timothy. And we're not sure how, when, or um, where Timothy died, but most scholars believe that he was in Ephesus and challenging the people who were celebrating a pagan god and having a festival. And he challenged them. He said, you shouldn't be worshiping a pagan god. And the people turned on him and stoned him. And he suffered for two days before he died. You know, this is a disciple, not a disciple, a spreader of the word in the early church. And he suffered. So the question is, again, why do we suffer? And Jesus' answer to that was basically, and this is in verse 33 continuing, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 
So Jesus is saying in the midst of trials and sorrows, in the midst of suffering, we need to take heart and have peace. Not because things are easy, because the hard things of this life are temporary and are preparing us for an eternal glory, right? Our peace is not in the absence of strife. It's not in the absence of troubles. Our peace is in Jesus and what he has done to make our future sure. So let's talk about why we suffer. Point number one, suffering, and I think this, you all know this, know this, is the result of sin. And just think about it. It's just not us people. It's not just humanity that suffers as a result of sin. It's the whole of creation suffers because of sin. Let's look at Romans 8, verses 19 through 23. Verse 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Verse 20, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. So when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world, and God's creation began to deteriorate. Are we not part of his creation? If his creation is deteriorating, so are we. So even as we have the Holy Spirit within us, that doesn't release us from the grip of this present world. So as creation suffers, we too suffer because of sin. So we're not spared. And uh, Romans 8.21 continues, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And think about this. You know, if you've got this earth, you've got hurricanes, earthquakes, tidal waves, droughts. Um, who knows what else is happening to this earth? You've got stars dying. You've got galaxies colliding. You know, it's, it's a pretty hectic universe, really. And so, verse 22, you know, it says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. That's what we're going through right now. Verse 23 continues, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin, and suffering. You know, notice that the scriptures here makes clear that presently our bodies are not released from sin and suffering. Verse 33, verse 23 continues, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. That's the hope. That's the hope that even as we suffer in this life, 
Isn't that hope a wonderful gift from God? So just as Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 33 to take heart because he has overcome the world, Paul tells us that although we suffer as a result of sin, entering into God's creation, God also infused his creation with looking forward to the day when all creation will be free from death and decay. And he instilled in us the hope that we too will be free from death and decay. He instilled us with the hope of renewal. Notice in verse 21 and 23 that Paul says, not if, but when. It's a sure thing that will happen. Romans 8, 21. Notice that it says, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. And verse 23 says, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. So our suffering is a result of sin, but we know as believers that we will be delivered from death and decay, right? So that's point number one. Suffering is a result of sin. My second point is, suffering can be, bring discipline and hope. Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord's disciplines, I'll read it again. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Isn't that interesting? We are children of God. And in the song, he says he has his arms around us. But he also disciplines us. You know, Pastor Mark, a few weeks ago, talked about how his father disciplined him. It didn't come out, it didn't come because of harshness from his father. It came about because his father loved him and wanted to teach him life lessons. And you know, if an earthly father will do that, think of the heavenly father why he disciplines us because he wants to teach us life lessons and there's other purposes we'll get into but hebrews 12 7 says as you endure this divine discipline remember that god is treating you as his own children verse 7 continues whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father let that verse sink in I mean, I, I have seen, and maybe you have, and certainly we've seen in the news where many children today aren't disciplined, and we see the results of that, right? Hebrews 12.8 says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Verse 9 since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father, that's capitalized Father, of our spirits, and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. 
So let that sink in too. God's discipline is always good for us. The writer of Hebrews tells it like it is. Because in verse 11 he says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But now the good news. 11 continues. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You know, I I watched uh, kung fu movies growing up. I loved how they had the sound effects where the hits didn't really match up with the sound. But uh, you notice that in, in kung fu movies, the fighters trained a lot. They stressed their muscles, they stressed their bones, and they brutalized their bodies to the point where they were pretty much immune from physical uh, injury when they got hit. It made them stronger. You know, my son wrestled in high school, and the more he practiced and the more he was challenged by other wrestlers, the stronger he got. And the same thing happens in our life. Romans 5, 3 through 5 puts it this way. Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops what? Strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Romans 5.5 says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know dearly how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So my first point was, suffering is, is the result of sin. Second point is, suffering can bring discipline and hope. Third point is interesting. Suffering can bring us to repentance. Let's look at Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. Look how Jesus responded to the news of suffering. He was presented with an atrocity, and he talked about a tragedy. In Luke 13, 1, it says, About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. So here we have an atrocity. An atrocity is defined as an extremely wicked or cruel act, typically one involving physical violence or injury. So in this instance, the atrocity was caused by Pilate. And it's, you know, if I could say, uh, mention something similar, it's 9-11 was an atrocity. That was a wicked and cruel act where thousands of people died. So that's an example of what was brought to Jesus that day. And in reading Jesus' response to that atrocity, uh, you get the sense that the people were thinking that, well, maybe the victims were to blame. Maybe they deserved it. Maybe they did something wrong that brought that atrocity on them. But Jesus' answer is striking. He didn't explain why they're suffering. He didn't tell them, okay, well, here's why people suffer, and here's why we have an atrocity. 
This is how he responded in verse 2. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked, is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus continued, and what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Here we have a tragic accident. And he says in verse 4, were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? Verse 5, no, and I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. You see, Jesus didn't have the present in mind. He had the everlasting in mind. And what he was telling him was, it makes no difference if there's a tragedy or an atrocity. All of us perish if we don't have Jesus Christ in our heart. And that's what he was telling them. He was telling them people killed by an atrocity or tragedy is no different than a person who dies naturally. If they haven't repented in their life, they too will perish. And so Jesus is reminding the people, okay, every time there's an atrocity and a tragedy, you need to remind yourself that it's time to repent because you don't know when your day is coming. You know, we could be gone this afternoon. So, uh, coming back to 9-11, Jesus would have said, do you think those who died in the Twin Towers were worse sinners than all the people in the United States? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. You will perish too unless you repent. And so this brings us, us to the next point. You see, when Jesus talked, to the, talked of the atrocities, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when Jesus talked of the atrocities <clears throat> and tragedies, <clears throat> excuse me, that happened in the world, Jesus focused on the everlasting. So my first point is, <clears throat> suffering is a result of sin. Suffering can bring discipline and hope. Suffering can bring us to repentance. Next point is, suffering can cause us to focus on the everlasting. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. <clears throat> Verse 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Verse 17. For our present troubles are small excuse me, verse 18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. 
Verse 18 continues, For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So, we need to look forward to the everlasting even as we go through our suffering, whatever it might be. Because as it says, the things we see now will be gone. The things we cannot see will be forever. So suffering in this world helps us look forward to the next when there will be no suffering. And this brings us, brings us to my last point. And that is suffering can increase our reliance on God and bring us closer to Him. You know, think about it. When things are going well in our lives, for many people, God kind of gets pushed a bit to the back. We don't think about God because things are going well. Why do we need to pray to God? But it's when we have those times of challenges where we don't think we can see something through, that's when we come close to God. I, I, uh, I debated whether I should mention this. You know, my mother passed away a couple years ago from, from cancer. And, and, uh, and so she suffered. And our family was suffering with her. Um, but, but, you know, some things came out of it. Um, my sister watched my brother and I pray for my mom. And at that point, she had not been a regular uh, attendee at church or, or re- really hadn't cracked the Bible much. But after my mom passed, she started going to small groups. My father, you know, he, he would go to Sunday service, but he wouldn't read the Bible much. But after my mom passed, he started reading the Bible every day. And, and so it caused our family members to draw be drawn closer to God, you see? And I don't think that would have happened if my mom <clears throat> hadn't passed. So anyway, let's um, look at Corinthians 1, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, <clears throat> Let me see this. Let me read this again. This is Paul talking. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the troubles we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. So Paul doesn't tell us what it was that he went through. But he did say, whatever it was, he didn't think he'd live through it. Verse 9 continues, but as a result, okay, this is a result of the challenges that he was facing. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. And get this, and learn to rely only on God. Who what? Who raises the dead. Think about this. <clears throat> One person I failed to mention 
who suffered in this life was Jesus. Although he was sinless, what happened when he took on our sins? He went through the worst kind of torture any human being could have gone through. He was whipped, beaten, thorn of crowns shoved onto his head, nailed to the cross, suffered physically, mentally, emotionally on the cross. Think of the pain. But the worst thing that happened to him from Jesus' point of view was when his father forsook him on the cross. Jesus suffered because of sin. But what happened to Jesus? The father rose, raised him from the dead. And that's what's going to happen to us. He trusted God fully, without any doubts. God the Father raised him from the dead. And there's no doubt <clears throat> that when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, that Abraham was thinking, okay, if that actually happens, I know my God will raise Isaac from the dead. Right? And this is God's promise to you. If we believe in Jesus, God will raise you from the dead. So Paul tells us in these verses the purpose of our suffering. He said, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises from the dead. So that's what suffering does. It brings us closer to God. Like my dad is closer to God. My sister is closer to God. I know my brother and I are closer to God. If you're going through suffering right now and you're a believer, you're being drawn closer to God. You know, suffering reveals your heart. If you're going through suffering and you say, God, why am I suffering? If your heart says it shouldn't be this way, you can reject God and hold him in contempt. Or you can turn to God and rely on God, right? So that's what Paul's saying here. He was feared for his death. And listen to what he said. I stopped relying on myself and turned to God who raises from the dead. You know, um, I mentioned Job early, and in, uh, you know what he went through. And his wife said to him, why are you praising God? Because he was going through a lot of stuff, right? And Job 2, verse 10 says, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? Think about that. Do we think about the blessings that we get from God every day and thank Him every day for all the blessings? But when something happens to us that's bad, do we continue to praise Him? We should. You know, I think about <clears throat> watching football and somebody goes into the end zone and makes a touchdown and they go, all right. But what if they miss the ball? 
They don't go. They don't go like that. You know, really, they should say, praise God, you're still my God. So, um, there, there's one last point I wanted to make. You remember when Pastor Mark talked about Gideon a few weeks ago? You recall Gideon was going, to, going up against a seasoned army of 135,000 men. And Gideon raised an army of 32,000 men. And God said, you have too many. And God reduced the number to only 300. And they were going to attack without weapons. And God explained why. On Judges 7-2 it says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let you if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. God wanted them to know that it was because of God that they won and they couldn't claim victory for themselves. And so this gets back to the message. If we're going through suffering, whether it's emotional, physical, or mental, we need to turn to God and look up to God and say, thank you, Lord, you will see me through this. You know, the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament, right? He wants us to rely on him, not on ourselves. We're not trustworthy, even to ourselves. But God is 100% trustworthy, 100% of the time. So in the midst of suffering, it is only God who we can rely on to get us through our suffering. So the first point was suffering is the result of sin. Second point is suffering can bring us discipline and hope. Third point is suffering can bring us to repentance. Fourth point is suffering can cause us to focus on the everlasting. Fifth point is suffering can increase our reliance on God and bring us closer to him. <coughs> Which brings me back to the core scripture today. Romans eight eighteen. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal. The message of hope in our suffering is we too will share in his glory. <coughs> so I hope this uh, message talked to you. You know, it's a difficult subject to handle, but I pray that the Holy Spirit talked to you in some way. Let's pray. Bow your heads and close your prayers, uh, close your eyes. If the Lord spoke to you today and you have not been saved and you want to be a child of God <clears throat> by asking Jesus into your heart, let me know by raising your hand. Anybody? There's no shame in that. No one's looking. If you didn't raise your hand but want to have a relationship with Jesus, or if you're online and want to have a relationship with <clears throat> Jesus, then say this prayer. 
Dear God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus willingly gave his life on the cross, bearing the weight of my sins, and triumphed over death through his resurrection. I accept that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. I therefore ask Jesus to come into my life. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I understand that it is through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that I am redeemed and have eternal life. Help me, Lord, to fully grasp the significance of accepting Jesus. Help me to embrace him as my Savior with all my heart, trusting in his atoning sacrifice and surrendering my life to his will. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you prayed this prayer, I have one more prayer for you. And actually, this prayer is for all of us, new Christians, mature Christians. Please bow your heads. I pray that the Lord wash his Holy Spirit over you so that your relationship with Jesus will grow. I pray that the Lord gives you the strength and discernment to follow his guidance. I pray that the Lord helps you to have a greater understanding of the significance of Jesus' sacrifice and the victory he achieved. I pray that his knowledge fills you with hope, assurance, and gratitude, knowing that through his death and resurrection, you have been reconciled with the Father and have eternal life. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.